Who are we? Nobodies. Speak for yourself. Okay. We're Canadian filmmakers with the dream of surviving financially on the backs of our films. Welcome to our show where we bring people along on our film journey. Maybe we can learn a thing or two. Maybe we can teach people a thing or two while drinking beers. I mean, if you can't drink beers while filmmaking, what's the point? We are Fable Forest Films, failing our way to success. Welcome to Jurassic Park. I mean, our show. First frames first. We are filming, and she's going to freak out. Hello. Welcome to episode 16. 16. First frames first. Uh, my name is Adrian Constant. Jason Green. And this is Henley. This is our baby, human. This is his baby. <laughs> but I like how you were like, this is our baby. No, it's... Uh... Hello, and welcome to... First Frames First, episode 16. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Green. I am the other host, Adrian Constant. Good. Listen, we have a baby in the background uh, this evening. Uh, you might hear her uh, off and on throughout the show. Yeah. Adrian's new child. My new my new little baby girl. She is a bit of a grunter and a groaner, so if you hear somebody grunt and groan, it's uh, not Jason and it is not me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, rolling. All right. Hello. <laughs> Oh, for fuck. <laughs> this is the worst. I am so mad right now. Take four. Uh, welcome to First Frames First, episode 16. My name is Adrian Constant. I'm Jason Green. It's been a rough start. I mean, we've started... Well, this is fourth, the fourth start. First two starts, we had Screaming Baby. We, uh, have, we have a baby in the room with us. It's true. It's uh, his baby. It is my baby. It is not our baby. <laughs> As I mentioned in take one. In take one. Same joke. We could reuse it because this is take four. Yeah. Um, and Third then, take? Yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, that was terrible. Bumped a beer over, you know? Frustration. Arrgh. This is going to be a shit show. Here we shit go. Shit show. I mean, Literally. as if we, as if every show. <laughs> yeah. We know it's it going to be a, a shit, shit show. show. Yeah. Um, in today's episode, take four, I'm, we're drinking Blanche de Chamblay. Nice. Uh, Tell me why. Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's got a castle on the box. Yeah. Which represents, uh, you know, us film location scouting today. We we were in er, Hamilton Hall, bed and breakfast, in Stratford, Ontario, uh, which is going to be the new set for our short film that we're shooting in October. That's right. It's called My Huntsville Muse. Yes. And I'm actually quite excited about it, especially after seeing the house. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, David Mamet's book on directing, okay. which I finished. It's really short. I'd just like to share one of the, probably the, the primary principle that I th- took from the book. Okay. Um, and then we are also going to be talking about Mother. Mm. Darren Aronofsky's film, yeah, which we f- saw last what night. What the fuck, Darren? Mm-hmm. You're not excited about it? Well, no, the thing is, it's actually right, like, the what he was trying to do is right inside my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. right? Very, like, very I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it is just a larger metaphor, which is right. I love that stuff. But I don't think it was skillfully executed. Oh, yeah. Someone's I calling I, out yeah. a major, majorly, a major player. Big time. Yeah. Because the thing is that I actually, the, like the type of film that he made, those are the types of film that I started making mm-hmm. in university. Not to say his is obviously on a much different level, but like 
the the type of storytelling that we were that I was trying to do was the type of storytelling that he did in this film, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I just I, I think it could have been done better. Mm. So we're gonna, ta- we're gonna to talk about that. Yeah, maybe we'll get into Son of a Pitch a little bit. Yep, and uh, yeah, and so that's it. That's it. You from time to time, if you're listening to the show, the rest of the show, you might you might hear a baby, uh, and just keep in mind that uh, uh, you know that's Adrian's baby. Because yeah. my my kids uh, will will be quiet when when asked politely. Mine you know I mean? will not. No, they won't. Mine are dicks. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna shut off the video portion. Thanks, guys, for watching uh, our YouTube bits. I hope you're enjoying the YouTube p- yeah. pieces. Um, if you find anything valuable, share it on Facebook, on Twitter. Just get it out there. And uh, thanks very much for being a part of this. Yeah, we're gonna every show. We're, we're gonna, gonna have a baby in there. We're gonna have a screaming baby. It's gonna be amazing. Head but a baby. Just shove that soother in there, J Man. Here we go. Here Listen, we go. folks, she is fed, she is warm. We've I've tried to I've tried to do everything to make her quiet and happy. I've bent over backwards. We we delayed the show for about an hour and a half as I tried to like make her as happy as possible. And the beautiful little girl um, is still just being a pain in the chest. So we just had to just let her be a little bit fussy. And, you know, unfortunately, I think it's a bit of a gas issue. Uh, It's trapped somewhere in that little beautiful body of hers. I'm talking about Jay right now, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just playing with your baby over here. Yeah, yeah. Massaging her belly. So to start the show off, let's talk. We're going to talk a little bit about my Huntsville Muse. So... Today we went out to Stratford, Ontario after, at about five o'clock, we, uh, myself, uh, who is directing the piece and, uh, Jason, who is the producer of the piece and co-producer, co-producer and, uh, Michael Malka, who is the director of photography. We hopped in a car together and we head out to the house and we didn't really know what to expect, but just because we had only seen, we'd only seen pictures on the internet and all that jazz. But, um, so we had an idea, but when we got there, oh man, the house is gorgeous. So the house was built in 1870 and Stratford, Ontario has some really old brick houses. Yeah. It took two years to build this, this house. Um, so back in the day when houses took a really long time to build. And you said it was uh, 18... 1870-ish. I, I could be wrong. It might be 1890, but it was in the 18, late 1800s that this house was built. And in fact, the first owner of the house was the coroner of Stratford, Ontario, and he was a very well-respected man. So when he actually died, they were saying that the procession for his funeral was around the block. They were saying that uh, that originally the house cost $4,500 to make. That's what it cost. That's incredible. <laughs> Talk about inflation. Yeah. So, um, and so incidentally, one of the things they also said was that there is a resident ghost in the house that all the children have seen that lived in that house and none of the adults has seen. And it was a man with a top hat. Yes. And they think that that was in fact the The original original owner who was the coroner. Um, so that is also as a special feature. I mean, we don't do special features on a short film. Uh, but we should we should probably see if there's any information that we can hunt down. Oh, make sure we throw it out there. Very cool. Yeah. So I will also say so we we have two possible locations for filming inside this house. We have a room downstairs and we have a room upstairs, and the room upstairs just felt lovely. 
it felt nice. You know what I mean? We walked in and we were like, this is really cool in this room. Yeah. And it's kind of the perfect room that we had for this, that we, it's written in when the you script. Read the, when you read the script, it feels right. It feels exactly like that room would feel. Yeah. The thing is that there are two beds, two single beds next to each other in that room. So we would need to pull one of those beds out to make it work. Yeah. Now, what they did tell us was that was his, that was the coroner's old room. Where they had seen the ghost. Where they had where seen they the ghost. So, I mean, that's amazing. So it's kind of, I mean, we, we there kind is, of have to. There is another issue with that room, though. It's on the second floor, mm -hmm. and it's a very tall house. Yes. So we've been talking, we, t we were trying to work through some logistical information uh, regarding rigging, yeah. rigging the lighting. Yeah. Definitely, be, because it is a small, tight room. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lot of places for lights. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, you know, now Mike's going away and he's going to think about it. Yeah. Um, but I think a good place to put the lights, to have lights coming into a small room is definitely through the windows because it's a natural place where light does come through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to, we're going to look at the, the alternate is the, is the downstairs. And again, it's also amazing. It's like, amazing. You you almost want to extend the short films mm -hmm. to use both rooms, but we won't um, because that's silly. But the downstairs room is amazing too. We'd be able to light a lot easier. So we'll see how it works out. I mean, we, we did, I, I sh shot them an email while we were waiting for, you know, you to silence this baby. And uh, and uh, I just said, hey, if, um, you know, can you let us know about the possibility of removing one of those beds? So, I mean, we'll see what we'll they see say. What, we'll see what they say. If, if they can't, um, if it's bolted to the floor or whatever, or it's be too difficult, we'll shoot downstairs. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about downstairs is the depth. Ah. Like it's you, a very big room. It is a very big room. It's sort of a long elongated room. You have a lounge that you have a sitting room that leads into a dining room mm -hmm. and it's one long room. And with that depth, we can, we just have a lot more to play with in terms of depth for me in photography and in, um, cinematography. Depth is always more beautiful. Mm. It just appeals to me more. So, so that's part of the reason that uh, that room appeals to me. We um, we mentioned that Mike Malko is going to be uh, the director of photography on our. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Um, now he he uh, uh, shot for us also on Bickerman's Grove. Yes. And I think we've talked about him before. He we actually met uh, uh, helping him out with his short film many many years ago. Yeah. Um, BLJ. Yeah. So, um, it brings up an interesting uh, question, which is some people say, director of photography, some, are you sure you want to put that beer there? No. Yeah. Fuck. Um, I'm just throwing, see, I'm, yeah. I'm, the, I'm like the, I'm like the mother. This is rough. <laughs> Anyways, um, I mean, look, you can spill that beer again. I don't, I don't care. This is your house. Yeah. Um, so, some people say director of photography and some people say cinematographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, a while back I had asked you this question uh, to, just to see your thoughts because I had read uh, one particular um, cinematographer. cinematographer's quote who had said, look, um, on set there's one director. Right? Yeah. And, and so that was his big thing. He was a cinematographer, but he was like, don't call me a director of photography because the film has a director. Right, I'm the yeah. cinematographer, so yeah. it's just, it was just an interesting distinction. Do you, yeah. think it, do you think it matters? Do you think there's no? I think I think it's it's just semantics, and it's just really it's really just being anal. Yeah, 
it's someone it's 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 a guy who's thinking t- too long and hard about the fact that they are two different names for the same thing mm-hmm. because because you can call i mean you can call yourself the director of the art department true you know the art director yeah who cares the director is the director true. i mean i don't know if you guys can hear me or not but the, the, it brings up another um question which was um do you remember some people were talking about a while back uh about extras. Do you remember that? Yeah. So there was a big discussion. Don't, don't call don't call them extras. Don't call them extras because that background talent. Yeah, background talent or background actors. Um, thoughts on that? I, I kinda liked it to be honest with you. I didn't I didn't mind calling people background a- actors. Kinda just seemed like they were more involved than just being I don't know, somebody that was extra. I don't know. I, it seems weird a weird distinction, but yeah, I, uh, I, if if you want to be known as a background, as background talent rather than extra, that's fine, and I I would respect that. Mm-hmm. For me myself, yeah. if I was background or an extra, I'd, I it wouldn't bother me. Yeah. Either way. I think probably a lot of people that try to make their living in that space, like as an extra or whatever, mm-hmm. they probably like the idea of. Elevating, elevating their status. The, the, I know the thing is though that it's it's. I mean, you you get like um, you you don't want to be called a garbage man. You want to be called a disposal trash disposal engineer. Mm. You know what I mean? But like, but does it, we does, know <laughs> what you are, garbage man, right? Well, the thing uh, is, the thing is, if that. Let if me they, tell you something. Larry is gonna. He's never he's gonna never pick gonna up pick your up. trash the same way yeah. again because no. he listens to the show. Right, yeah. Larry? And, uh, and and but my feeling is that you know what you do right so you know what the action is and the action the thing that you do doesn't change right like are you so, a background actor or are you just a guy that's in a crowd just as an extra yeah you know what it is yeah if you had to describe it to someone like who are you like who are you fooling by changing the name mm-hmm. you know what just I mean? yourself just, and that's fine. Just being like, happy with, like, happy like with I said, life. I absolutely respect that. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, if if I picked up garbage and someone said you're a garbage man, and I, I would not be like, no, I'm a. Uh, I'd be like, yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just. So uh, things are moving along, um, in a scary pace as always. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we, uh, you know, you you like to believe you have all your ducks in a row, and then you know things fall apart. Yeah. Um, you lose you lose talent or you lose a piece of the puzzle and you gotta just roll with the punches. You gotta yeah. keep, so we, keep going. We did have we did have a, an actress on board who was who was keen to to work with us. And uh, what happened there? We lost her. Yes. I think I think um, was honestly it? I think it's a, just a busyness thing, it's a scheduling yeah. thing. And um, she she's she is a sought after actress who is working for, for serious dollars. Yeah other places right so i mean it's, we it's are hard definitely to... bottom of the totem pole correct first to go so um i think she's she's got some opportunities that she can't pass up mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean we wish her all that's the best awesome. so you know that's fine yeah and who knows what the future holds but um but yeah so we're moving on to find new uh new cast with <clears throat> two weeks to go so uh yeah. we're fine and we will be fine like oh I, yeah, I, yeah it's, of course. it's a one day it's a one-day shoot. Yeah, we want to find we want to find someone who can put it off. But I, f- I feel like I feel confident we're going to oh, find yeah. a person. What's another problem that we've run into is the book. Ah uh, yes. So 
I wanted to throw out a, an alternate ending as well. So the one thing uh, have we have we talked about what the film's about a little bit? Yeah, we have. We gave it away. Did we? Yeah, last podcast. We okay, gave we gave it away. So um, you know, it's it's a story of two people that kind of meet in a room, um, and the the young man uh, is kind of frantic. He's gonna he's dying soon. He's kind of coming to this hotel to pass away um, and he really feels like he hasn't done anything with his life he's a writer and he's he's hoping to finish his his great story his manifesto hold on kiddo hold on yeah when she when she cries just we can just i'll just cut it this is gonna be an no it's yeah. gonna be too difficult you can leave the crying in so he comes to this this uh hotel to write his manifesto basically and um, he meets this this young lady, and they kind of hit it off in an interesting way. And she gives him some suggestions, um, and he he you know likes her. And then suddenly he disappears. Um, and then you you find out that she is uh, reading the book that he wrote um, before he passed away. Um, and so, anyways, one of the just one of the quick things that we were struggling with was the book itself, and. Um, you know, deciding if we want to have an actual book that's called My Huntsville Muse, where we can open the book to the page and zoom in on the text and have it say something, or maybe see, you know, who the who the book is by or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or your original thought was to not show the book at all, really. Mm -hmm. So she would be she would read the passage, or maybe he would read the passage. Yes, and they would just be holding a prop book, right? But we would never actually be in on the pages. Because it was all voiceover, right? Right. But when you mentioned the cover and having the cover, like an old school, 18, yeah. 18 or like 1920s book or whatever that's yeah. leather bound that has a nice sort of like this embossed, gold embossed font. Yeah. It says My Huntsville Muse. Ah, man, it's kind of gorgeous. Could be cool, right? Yeah. So the one thing that I actually thought of was, <clears throat> so in, in the original script, uh, I mean, you guys are hearing it first. You guys are going to see it first. Um, but she's reading the book and, and in the book, it basically talks about the fact that she's his muse. And then when he was there talking to her, she disappeared. Right. Mm -hmm. So we get this real interesting sense of, you know, who is the ghost? Was he the ghost? Was she the ghost? What's going on in this house? Who yeah. knows? Anyways, we don't really want to talk about our thoughts on it exactly. Maybe we do, but, um, Adrian furrowed his brow there. Um, but Basically, she just looks up or she goes to look for him and, and the movie's over. The yes. short film is over. So <clears throat> the uh, the alternate that I thought yeah. was, and we don't have to do this, but I thought that she looks at looks at the book and as as he's reading to her, reading that last caption who uh, where she kind of gains that understanding that he that she was his muse that disappeared, mm -hmm. it kind of startles her and she drops the book. And I, I don't know, I, we've never done, we did slow motion with the, um, with the snowball mm -hmm. in Bickerman's Grove. Yeah. But, uh, the thought that I had was that she drops the book in with kind of a gasp and it just kind of falls to the floor almost in slow motion and kind of bounces on the floor and we see the title and the, who the author is. And then she runs out of the room back down the stairs with her kind of dress flowing sort of thing. And she is, is kind of like did you see that man or did you see the whatever and the guy who's sweeping the floor 
doesn't recognize her either. Okay. So just that was that was kind of the thought that I had. Where here's an extension of that thought. Okay. So I know we're revising the script with a couple minutes left before we're shooting it, but yeah. that's I feel that's good. So so what happens if she if she reads what's in the book, right? And when she goes out, she runs out of the house, and as she runs, she runs down the she runs out of the room, she runs down the stairs, and she books it for the front door, and then we cut to the front door swinging open. And nothing's there. I mean, amazing. So, so just a thought to extend it a little bit. It adds a little something, a little bit of extra drama. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Yeah, that's cool. So, anyway, so continuing to improv and, and work, work our, uh, not improv, I guess. You, it's not improv when you're the one that's writing it. So, anyways. <laughs> no. But continue to work, this, work the story elements. And right. uh, definitely looking at the location and seeing the ways that we can use the location. We already got a couple of extra shots that we know we're going to shoot because oh, there's yeah. like... A, the you, top of the staircase. Yeah, the top of the staircase has like eight doors leading to rooms. And it's it's sort of like this, this space that's like, um, it's probably about, I don't know, about 10, 10 by 10 feet. And it's got eight doors surrounding this, you know, in a square. And um, as we got up to the top of the stairs, we're like, we have to put our leading man at the top of the stairs thinking about which door he's going to walk in. Because the concept is kind of, and this is now behind the scenes, behind the curtain, we're giving you a glimpse, but um, the concept is that it's two entities that are passing each other in their travels, right? Um, and so he's a wandering, he's a wandering spirit, and he's passing another wandering spirit, and they're going to make a connection. And um, who's to say how real a connection between any kind of any two entities is? You know, but um, yeah, so that's, it's very exciting where, where things are heading and the house is gorgeous and we, we get up with, it. technically we, we kind of get up to shoot. We just need a couple of lights potentially and um, then we just need a leading lady. Yep. We, I think, um, I think I, the only, oh, a leading lady, a book and then wardrobe and hair and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> so, good Lord. Hair and makeup, I got another line on tonight, so okay. we'll see. Okay. Anyways, we're, everything's going to come together, uh, and it's going to be amazing. Awesome. Okay, so moving on. I would just like to talk a little bit about a book that I just read called On Directing uh, by David Mamet. Now, you read way more books. You read way more books about filmmaking than I do. Yeah. I essentially... Uh, I, like to be ha I like to have a book on the go can't every, all the time. So the book might take me a while to read. Like I, I, the, the book I read before on directing was uh, Save the Cat, Goes to the Movies. And, you know, I took a break and that book took me probably about two and a half months to read. You know what I mean? Okay. I, it's not like I'm in a rush. But when that book is over, then I head out to the bookshop and I get a new one. Now, do you read fiction at all? Do you read fiction? Uh, I do. And I, I never used to read nonfiction. I only used to read fiction, but ever since I started sort of learning things about the film industry, um, and I just climbed into nonfiction, and it used to put me to sleep, but now I really, really enjoy it. Um, especially since I get annoyed, really annoyed easily at, at it, when a story is not really done well, mm -hmm. then it makes me mad. And this is something that I actually, I've noticed on Netflix, like Netflix, and I, I was talking to my wife recently, I was like, 
Netflix kind of depresses me a little bit because I I get a little I get a little angry when the movie when the movie is not good. Right. It makes me mad. And I can't sit through it. But I love, love, love sitting through a good movie. And the difference between a good and a bad movie is just as long as I stay in the story the whole time. There's no bad line in there that's going to pull me out. There's no like terrible piece of acting that's going to suck me out of the story. There's no a stupid decision that an actor has made that they would never do in real life. Right. You know what I mean? And this is like... Where you get start going to the Steven Spielbergs and the Martin Scorseses and the David Finchers and this level of directing, this level of storytelling, they don't they don't have characters that will do a stupid thing. Right. So you actually sent me a message. You were so mad about something that you watched on Netflix. I'd love to find out what it was. Let's pause this thing for a second. We're back. You probably didn't even notice how long we were gone there. So um, you sent me a message. You were like, I'm... I'm sick and tired of Netflix movies. Um, I'm not sure which one it was that you were watching that pissed you off, but you were I like, probably went, I probably went through three movies trying to find. Look, I just I just want to enjoy a film, mm-hmm. right? And at the, at this point, if the movie if the movie, I just have a I don't have a lot of patience for the movie if it makes a wrong if it makes a wrong step in my opinion. Right. Right. And there are perfect movies out there. Like I, I watch them all the time. But they're just few. They're few and far between. Mm-hmm. And I find on Netflix, I'll go through four movies where I'll give them twenty minutes of my time, and I'm like, "Oh, this is fucking shit." So you ping me, and you're like, "That's it. I'm starting to go to the theater again. I'm going to try to make it a regular occurrence um, because I go to the movies all the time. I, I don't want to say I see everything because that wouldn't necessarily be true, but I certainly go. Yeah, two you see, or you three see, times a month. You see just about. Just about every if, movie that comes to the theater. If there's something that I want to see, I usually will see it in the theater. Now, the thing about the theater, which is wonderful, is that there is a barrier to entry. So that you know that you're getting a certain quality of movie. Right, because nobody will let us show our films in the theater we, yet. Yeah, we can't get it. You, you know, so a film has to be a certain standard. There's a certain quality of work that's expected when a movie goes into the theater. I mean, look, that's not totally true. Thank you, Grand River and Hamilton Film Festivals. Yes, yeah, absolutely. 100%. But but the thing is that you are you are deciding decidedly t- accepting that your movie is going to be more spectacle than correct sort of your run of the mill, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there there are considerations to take into into account when you're going to the theater, but you know that the quality of the movie is probably going to be up there. Yeah. Um so we went last night, we went to see Mother. Now before we went to see Mother, I watched Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this movie? Yeah. I love Ender's Game. It's a lot of fun. I, I, wa- I read the book. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Ender's Game and you love the movie, you should tr- give the book a try because it's even more battles, even more strategies. Like, you really get to love this kid. Um, I just kind of wish they would have ended it a little bit early, honestly. Yeah. They kind of do... Um, after he wins the big battle... They just kind of go on, and you see him kind of collect the the alien thing and whatever, and and that's fine, and that's the way it happened in the book too. But I don't know. There's just a little bit of an anticlimactic ending. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, you wanna you wanna get dive into mother? Not yet. What I'd like to just say, I'd just like to talk about because we started talking about books. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've just read is David Mamet's book on directing. 
That's okay. what it's called. Now, who is David Mamet? So David Mamet, he's a prolific playwright and writer. He, he probably most notably known for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, writer director. Okay. Of that film, always and, be closing. Always be closing. Yeah. And the thing is that he is, and if you don't know who he is, you should probably look him up because he is like a. He is a cornerstone of uh, writing and creation. Right? Coffees for closers. <laughs> so, but the point being, and he's also anti-Hollywood. Oh. Yeah. He's really mad at, the, he, he gets, in his book particularly, he get he, you know, he has some harsh words for, uh, for Hollywood and the, the way that they, the way that they, uh, the way that creativity is sort of moved through the system there. Okay. So he has a couple of harsh words and he, he's very opinionated. Awesome. Yeah, he's got very strong opinions on what you should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And he actually, if you go to masterclass, he, he, is, he gives a masterclass in writing. Really? For playwriting. Oh. Um, like Aaron Sorkin does the screenwriting masterclass, but David Mamet does the playwriting masterclass, but he's also got a screenwriting background. I mean, I hate to stop you right there, but Aaron Sorkin, we're, uh, Ann and I are re-watching The West Wing with Fuck. Connor. Yeah, man. We just bought the first two seasons. and He's awesome. Molly's game is coming out soon, where he wrote the story of the, uh, the uh, the poker poker queen. Yeah. Anyways, and did, did you know that he, like he, he I think only it's wrote a true the story first... too. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so he's becoming the 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 biography. Uh, yeah, because he did the social network guy. also. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the the point being that um, David Mamet's like you know every story needs a beginning, middle, and end. Not necessarily according to the French, not necessarily in that order, and that's why French movies are so boring. You know, he's hard. He's and he he loves the rules, and he believes that within the framework of the rules of storytelling and screenwriting, you can. That's when you can really blossom. Okay. Um, so this book is basically they talk through. It was a series of lectures he did at Columbia University, I think, and they just basically talk through. They make up their own film. And they talk through a character and what the character wants and what the character is trying to do. And essentially, the main takeaway from the book is that your character has a super objective. What is their purpose? Their purpose is to do this thing. Okay. Right? So when you are designing that, that is always where you come back to that. You come back to that super objective. And then as you're building the story forward towards their end goal. Right. You should always, what is the best way that they should do this and what is the most natural way? And you sort of just, you play with your character. Like, is this bit, should they do this thing or should they do this thing? Always remembering that the super objective is where you want to stay. And they never leave their super objective. It's not really realistic though. It is. In storytelling, that is exactly right. But everything you Movies are definitely not life, and you should definitely let you should flush that thought down the toilet. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like when you look at when you look at when you watch Jennifer Lawrence on the screen, she's not your everyday real life girl, right? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, that I suppose. I suppose that's true. I mean, yeah, so it's just, um, and then. What is the what is the best way for your character to do a thing to obche- to achieve their objective, mm-hmm. and um, then after that you kind of look at what what is cinematic. Honestly, I like I do I do love that, and I'd like to read the book, but but it's we, a quick we, read. 
Yeah. We've talked about this before where, you know, you kind of pick a, a mode for your character and they stay in that mode. Mm-hmm. And it just helps, like you said, it helps make uh, make a decision when you're driving a dialogue forward even or when they come to kind of a crossroads where you're like, would they do this or would they do that? You can kind of think about how they act as a human being and, mm-hmm. and some of their backstory helps with that if you kind of think about that in advance. Yeah. Um, you know, what kind of drives their life even if you don't even talk about it in the film. That's right. Right. Yeah. But you can make a decision like, you know, growing up, this kid got, you know, beaten every other day. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to talk about it, but it shapes who they are and helps yeah. decide what kind of decisions they make. I really like at the beginning of the script when you're introducing a character where the character would say something mm-hmm. that would identify their driving force. Mm. So say, for instance, there was a kid who was beaten every day. And they were and their driving force was no one is ever going to take advantage of me again. If they say That's something, the they say if they say something to that effect right in the beginning, the audience knows automatically who this person is. Mm-hmm. They're like, this guy is not going to let anyone take advantage of them. And then obviously you're going to set up obstacle after obstacle for that guy, right. provided they're your leading character. But I like that because that kind of definition really helps me solidify the character in my head. Mm-hmm. I like it. Any other any other big takeaways from that one? No. Now, that, so so you 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 had mentioned on Instagram, and a couple other people were like, "Love that book." Yeah, he's really grumpy. Very opinionated. Very is opinionated. what they said. Yeah. Um, any other uh, little tidbits that you can recall? No. Um, no, really, they just talked through building a scene, and whenever 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 the students in the lectures would come out with ideas that sort of pulled their character away from the super objective okay he would bring it back uh, and he would bring it back to like remember this is what we're trying to achieve and also how can we achieve that without adding big scenes without you know it, it's almost like the most the best way there and keep it simple right get your character to where your character needs to be and keep it simple I love it yeah I'm reading Stephen King short stories right now yeah um, because I really want to find a dollar baby that I love. I so know you, we talked about it last time, but that's yeah, yeah. what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm reading the like 20 to 25 short stories that are all on his site as yeah. dollar babies. And, um, I'm getting the sense of why a few of them are dollar babies still and have not been optioned <laughs> because are they, because crazy? they're, they're difficult. Yeah. Difficult. To shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I was, I'm actually leaning the most towards, uh, I'm a doorway right now, which I was telling you about last time where the guy has eyes on his fingers mm-hmm. because I was thinking a little bit about how we could maybe do that. Um, but the next one I was reading was gray matter. And, um, and what happens in that one is, and again, you'd love this, right? It's winter time. It's cold. Yeah. There's a bunch of old farts talking in a convenience store. Like a gas amen. station, right? Golden. I mean, you're just like, oh, yes, I want to make this movie right now. Yeah. This kid comes running in and he's like, mister, you got to like, and they all know him. They all yeah, know yeah, this yeah. kid. They're like, hey, town, Jimmy. Small town environment. So, yeah. And, and what happens is this kid always comes in and buys beer for his dad. Right. Mister, whatever. I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. And they're like, are you okay? Is your dad on a drunk? Did he hit you? Whatever takes him in the back and he kind of gets the story from the kid and the kid basically passes out from exhaustion about uh, uh, related to like how upset he is basically Mm -hmm. so the the lady takes him up to the whatever and these he the the gentleman comes out to the other gents and he's like listen we got to get the 
the guy's beer and we got to take it over to his house. And I'm going to tell you guys a few things on the walk over there, but I'm going to tell you right now, put my gun in my pocket, right? And off they go trudging through the snow over to this guy's house while one of the old guys is carrying this case of beer. And he tells this story about how the boy's father has like lost his job and he's been drinking a lot and he's been drinking a lot and he's started to like look terrible. He's a, he's kind of a fat guy mm-hmm. and he started to smell and now he won't even move. He's sitting and the last time he gave the kid the money, there was like gray slime on it and he's becoming this like slime monster. And uh, the kid basically explained to the guy that he saw his dad eat a cat. Like this slime monster eat a cat in the dark. Yeah. And so he's like, guys, we're going over to take this beer over. And so they they get over there and the door kind of creaks open. He's like, listen, put the beer on, but listen, crack all the beers for me because I can't do it anymore. Right? And they, they... you know, shoot some bullets in there and this like tentacle comes out and grabs one of the old men and pulls him in and eats him. And then the gray thing splits in two. Oh man. And so anyways, it's, and that's basically it. And so yeah. um, they, the rest of the guys get out of there and they're like, this gray thing is going to take over the world essentially is the, is the idea. Yeah. But, how do you, how do you like, kill how, the gray thing? So anyways, I mean, a big slime monster essentially yeah. is, is the, tricky bit of that one <laughs> that's not it's not a one two three <laughs> no shoot. it is not right so so but what I, but my plan is again i'm just i'm just enjoying because i love stephen king i'm yeah. enjoying reading short stories again and uh, i'm going to continue to read the dollar babies and i'll i'll let you know uh, which ones i think are cool and uh, which ones we could maybe shoot so we'll see nice i have the new book that i've just started is aristotle's poetics oh. um so so aristotle did wrote a book on um drama okay and on playwriting because it was a really in ancient greece it really it was a really significant part of life there and so he spoke a lot to the structure of stories and this kind of this kind of thing and um what a there's a screenwriter the guy that wrote pleasantville i can't remember his name but he's the author of this book and he takes segments out of aristotle's poetics and he kind of breaks it down describes it and talks about it why it's important to screenwriters i actually really liked pleasantville Amazing movie. Yeah. Toby Maguire? Genius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just a it's been, genius It's been movie. a long time, but yeah. it, that was the one where everybody's in black and white, and yeah. then they start to see color. Yeah, man. Yeah. Start to live life for reals. Yeah, that was cool. Um, okay, so moving on to Mother. Okay, so... Let me just say that there's a lot of controversy to do with Mother right mm-hmm. now, right? Like, so when I... when I, It's cool, because when I first saw... Um, the trailer for Mother, I was like, yes, I really want to see this. Because to me, it seemed like, well, first of all, it's got Jennifer Lawrence in it, who is amazing. Uh, Javier... Oh, amazing. I didn't, I didn't expect you to use that adjective to describe Jennifer Lawrence. Her boobs are amazing. Here we go. <laughs> um, Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris are in the trailer. And yeah. I, was, I, was talking, I was trying to get at um, how I felt about the trailer when I watched it for the first mm-hmm. time and why I wanted to go see Mother. Because I do like horror movies, right? Yes. I, I can get behind horror movies big time. And when you watch the trailer, you really get the sense that this is a um, cult movie, Yes, in my opinion. Like, it, it feel, when you watch the trailer, it feels like Jennifer Lawrence has no clue what she's gotten herself into. Javier Bardem is like a 
mastermind mastermind cult leader and he's gonna bring people in and they're gonna have probably like seances or or some sort of rituals and you know they probably kill her um so when you're and maybe who knows but anyways but when you're watching the trailer you get the real sense that that's what it's about and so i feel like a lot of people will go because they're expecting that Yes, and that is when I watched the trailer, that's exactly what I saw too. And I was so surprised that Darren Aronofsky, Did the that. director, the writer director, was going to do that because it seemed so pedestrian for him. Right. But, um, and now I'm not really familiar with his work. Okay. So I've seen, so Darren Aronofsky, I've seen Pi, but so long ago yeah. that I just remember, all I remember of it was that it was black and white. And there was a guy looking in the mirror. There was a guy looking in the mirror. I think he gets kidnapped. I can't really remember. I can't really remember anything about it, to be honest. Um, the Fountain. Yep. You saw that? I did not see it. Okay. Uh, That's Black you... Swan, I have never seen. That's Requiem, a good film. Requiem for a Dream, I have never seen. You shithead. I, ha- I own that's, it. That's a, cornerstone. that's a cornerstone of cinematic freaking, you know, in my life. In your life? Absolutely. That's one of the films that really, we, where I watched it and it really rocked my world. Like mm. it, all the way down to my foundations. I was like, this is amazing. So I, I will watch it. Yeah. Um, the Wrestler, which I loved. Yeah. Awesome film. Um, Noah, which I did not love. Um, so anyways, he, um, again, most of the films that people are like amazing, I have never seen. So I was kind of going into this mm-hmm. one. Not really expecting anything in particular. And um, it started off pretty awesome. Yes. I, it, it, no, it was great. It Not was lie. It was good. Like the I enjoyed st- the beginning, the movie, yeah. And, and even... Spoilers. To be honest... Big time. If you, you, if, you, probably, if, you if you don't want to hear anything about Mother, you could probably shut the rest of this podcast off. Yeah. We, we are going to talk about Son of a Pitch later, but uh, we're going to spoil Mother right now. Big time. Um... For the first half of the movie, in fact, all the way up probably to the second act, uh, third act, sorry, where where she was pregnant and opens the door to the yeah. whatever, um, I was on board, right? Because the thing is, is, um, and you can get into this a little bit, but you were talking about how everything he's doing in this movie is a metaphor. And mm-hmm. and you know what? Let's not spoil the metaphors. Unless, no, you, unless you want to. No, this is spoiler, and we can't talk about the movie without talking about the metaphors. All right. So, Sorry, dude. So we're gonna we're gonna walk through it a little bit, but but um, the movie is full of metaphors the whole way through. Mm-hmm. But the first act or two, the first half of the movie, definitely, you can watch it and enjoy it as a movie and feel uncomfortable. It's definitely a little bit scary. It's a little bit tense. You know, there's there's the moments where she's exploring the dark or somebody's in the house and she doesn't know where they are and somebody's making her feel uncomfortable um and um and it follows the same sort of arc of a, a normal horror thrillery sort of a a thing where yeah it, he's trying to put you on the edge of your seat and freak you out a little bit and and it was working and i was enjoying it yeah and and um you know what even even um like a lot of i, I imagine this movie makes feminists very angry, and the, I don't understand why. But I mean, but, I, mean I get, I get that he, I get that he treats her poorly, one hundred percent. But that's the point of the movie. No, I understand that. Yeah. But so, but 
but it would still make feminists angry. Why? You're bringing, you're, you're, you're bringing, you're, you're, you're bringing, putting the spotlight on the issue. Sure. Which is the way that the mother is treated. Yeah. The way that. Poorly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, but, but not just, but she's not just treated poorly, which I think, which I think maybe it goes to the heart of uh, the feminist issue is she also treats herself poorly. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, she's always cooking and cleaning. She's fixing the house. Yeah. She's always very like... All of this goes away because of the what who she no, really is. No, and right? I understand that. But, yeah. but when you're watching the movie, my point is that I think the majority of the people that went to see this movie have no clue what the... Did not end up leaving the movie understanding what the... Um, all the metaphors were about. Yeah. Honestly. I, I think that there's going to be a large percentage of people that get out of that movie going... What the fuck was that? Now, incidentally, one of the people, one of the people that we watched the movie with, when we were walking out of the cinema, they were like, "What the fuck is the movie about?" Right. Okay. So this is, but this is my point because you're you're pulling with the trailer, you're pulling in an audience who's like, "I want to go see a Jennifer Lawrence horror film," mm -hmm. right? They're not about to go there and be deep thinkers. They're not about to go and try to put two and two together. But, but you, so, and, and I would like to, I, I am going to defend Darren Aronofsky a little bit. No, don't. Because the thing is that. I'm just kidding. I've been defending him a little bit today too. Because the thing is that, so a couple of points. He is drawing the audience in, in order to shock them with this yes. movie. This is his, I'm going to save the world movie, wake up people movie. Right. Right. We are going, we are destroying our planet movie. By being religious. Well, he, I mean, he told the story of humanity and what and the, the story of humanity that led from the beginning, from Adam and Eve, all the way through to present day. And then he went further and said, we're going to scorch the earth and we're all going to be gone. And right. it's all going to have to start again. Right. But I, I feel that I'm going to jump way ahead. I feel that the message of the movie is that if we put religion on a pedestal, we're going to scorch our own earth. I don't even think... I, like, religion was involved, but I feel like it was... The earth wouldn't have been scorched in this movie had we not put the creator and religion on a high pedestal and ruined the earth. If we had put the mother on the pedestal, Correct. it would have been different. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I can... Yeah, for sure. I can get behind that, for sure. That's but what I think. But, it's, but the thing is, yeah... Uh, it's historical, though, with regards to it's talking about human history. I know. We or, just got to stop. Just throwing it out there. With what? Religion. Oh, yeah. Anyways, okay. it's my statement. That's my, podcast. That's my feeling. Putting my foot down. Everyone. That's it, guys. Game over. Yeah. Um, no, so, but that's. Uh, but I, I really felt like when I got out and I started to think about it more and more. So you want to get into kind of just talking about... Yeah. Just spoiler alerting the the rest of the stuff and kind of how it how it played out. Yeah. So um. So initially, when we started watching the movie, um, you know, Javier Bardem, Javier Bardem takes this rock, and this rock is kind of like it's gorgeous. It's like a crystal. It's yeah. like a crystal, and it's got life in it. You know, it's a really beautiful thing. And he puts it on this, he puts it on this uh, little mantelpiece, and the house, which was scorched and burnt and broken, transforms into a house that is being built under renovation right. under construction um and then this woman sits up in bed and she kind of she kind of forms out of the bed 
she's she's created out of nothing. She turns around and she 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 goes. She sits up and she goes, "Baby." Right. That's the beginning of the movie. Um. So as I was watching the movie, I. I thought to myself that we were dealing with the like what the experience of women that women are having through that women have experienced through history. Womanhood. Yeah. So essentially, that's what I thought as I was watching the movie. I thought that um, that Jennifer Lawrence represented the the female experience, and Javier Bardem represented the male experience. You know. But as the movie progressed, and this guy was a poet, and we started to it started to become more abstract. You know, the film itself became weirder and weirder and more abstract until eventually they did get into the religious thing and all of a sudden you're like oh he's god and she's the mo- creator he is the creator the, the poet the poet and she is mother earth mm-hmm. right and their relationship and they're living in garden of eden essentially but the garden of eden is really i mean it's really the world right all these people invade invade this this planet and this this society this piece of in the middle of nowhere there's this gorgeous house there's right. this piece of this oasis, mm-hmm. I know, suppose that's Earth, which yeah. is what society, yeah, which mm-hmm. is what what the Earth is, and so this is her experience. And the first couple that arrives, that's the Adam and Eve, and then their kids all of a sudden arrive, and that's Cain and Abel, and the one brother kills the other brother with a doorknob. What I actually really liked was uh, thinking about it more and more, and that that kind of um, metaphor or allegory or whatever. Um, at one point, he, he's really enjoying talking to Ed Harris, who is represented by Adam, right, if yeah. you remember. And he's like, he and I are going to go take a walk out in the garden. woods, essentially, yeah. which is he's going to take Adam and go for a walk in the garden. And he leaves Eve, or Michelle Pfeiffer's character, in the house. And she wants to explore the garden, essentially, or the house. Yeah. And then she gets herself in trouble by, by finding the, the diamond, right? Yeah. Which I kind of I kind of equate with the apple now. Yes. Yeah. And it, I suppose it's the mystery of creation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, but the thing is, at this stage in the movie, what happens is now, and it's long, it's long, which is exactly what happens with human... Since, since you know, Adam and Eve, you have this long period of things happening really slowly and then all of a sudden things ramp up into this frantic pace so before you get there let me just throw out there that up until that point the movie makes kind of sense as its own creepy movie the story stands right right but then everything gets completely abstract and she becomes so crazy yeah she becomes goes off the rails so there's no story now anymore there's no it, it's all just metaphor. There's no... The story doesn't make sense within it. it there are no rules to this world. People start... The, it, it, it starts from it's mayhem. Like six people, then there's 20 people, then there's a thousand people. And there's different military... You know, to, to represent each... All of the different military battles that people have watched. There's different military people flying in the windows. People are imprisoned in like... Taliban shooting people Chains. in the head. People are rioting. People are stealing. Everything that people is, all, you know, the, the the this thing. This um, thinking about the stealing though, kind of is is kind of cool in that. Well, everyone's like, just, how will people know that I wasn't the here? Earth's resources. Yes, and and everybody would turn around and be like, but I just want people to know that I was here, mm-hmm. which is something that we are completely. Like as a society, we're completely engrossed with the idea that we we want people to know us beyond ourselves you know beyond our beyond our grave beyond mm-hmm. our lives 
this fascination that we have with fame. Um, so, but it, it, it completely goes off the rails. And the story, there's, there's no story. Now, the, and it's only a metaphor for, hu- for traveling through human history. So the problem is, is that thinking about it and talking about it after, you're like, kind of cool, kind of genius, okay. But the problem is, is watching it in the theater, you are like, what is happening? She's being tossed around in the mix She gets of, beaten up. She gets beaten up, she gets Badly, tossed yeah. around, and she's like nine months pregnant or whatever. And, and Pregnant with the baby Jesus. Is it Jesus? Yeah, because they hand the baby. First of all, they're like, oh, and then they eat the baby's body, which is the Catholic, you know, the I body know, of Christ. Then the timeline's a little weird, don't you think? Like, because since they had like, I don't know, the UN troops and then the Jesus afterwards. Yes, but anyways, the timeline fine. is a little weird. So, but, and, and I did think the same thing. But my point is, is that there is honestly like a 15 minute or I want to maybe even 10. I'm not sure exactly, but mm-hmm. she's being pushed around her own house. She wants to leave. He keeps kind of saving her from the mob, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but shit just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. She's crying. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. You know, and, and until you think about it later and you're like, okay, that kind of makes sense. In the moment, it's very disturbing and unsettling. And, and you're like, I don't, I'm not enjoying myself here. Like, I don't understand what's even happening. I mean, look, that that might be the point. Sure. To not enjoy yourself. But what I think... Now, now this is... I don't think... It's not... In terms of telling a fantastic story. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I thought initially. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why I, I think the opposite now. Okay. So, initially, when I saw it, it doesn't take... A genius mind to be like, hey, I'm going to take God and I'm going to take Mother Earth and I'm going to put them in the same room and I'm going to run through human history. You know, I'm going to, and this is going to be the metaphor that the movie is going to be. That is right up my alleyway and I love that. But I don't think that's the talented bit. The talented bit is making the story stand up on its own so that if you watch it, it makes sense within the world of the story. Right. Which he doesn't do. No. But. If you did make it stand up by itself, most people wouldn't, they would just have seen the story. Right. And they wouldn't have seen his message, which was wild. Sure. But this is where, so, so you're kind of taking the stance that it's good that he fucked with you because now you kind of understand that there was a message there. Yes. Like now you're like, now you're like, what the fuck was the movie about? Whereas if he may, if he, if he was, if he did the thing, which is I think harder to do, Mm -hmm. which is like, okay, we're going to do the metaphor, but we're also going to make sure that the story makes sense within the world of the story. So it'll have its own beginning, middle and end in a way that, you know what I mean? Like we'll foreshadow things. We'll know what's going to happen. We kind of, there's a, a plot. I, like, there's actually no real, like, you know, yeah. flow of a thing that you can follow. It's just random events that happen to this woman in this house. But by doing that, he's forcing you to look at it deeper. So, so he's not, a, he's not my, giving you the comfort of a story. Here's my issue with that, which I'm going to stand by for a minute, mm-hmm. which is, that's you. Um, 
we go. Uh, sorry, give me one second. Lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. He's playing to a certain audience. Yes. In my opinion. So so the thing is is he's he's preaching, which is great. Mm -hmm. But he's preaching to the choir, unfortunately. He the message that he's sending that people understand are the people that kind of believe that already. That the world is shit, that you know, we should probably be protecting Earth more than than uh, focusing on religion. The people that that don't feel that way and go to the movie are going to miss that point. And I don't think they're going to think about it the same way. I don't think they're going to get out of it and be thinking about it for days. I think they're going to be like, that was garbage and won't give it a second thought, honestly. Um, you see, the, you, you see, here's the thing. Because but but, what I think that you should do is... Because if think the that person says, what was that movie about? That might be the exact thing that he wants people to say. But if I don't he, think so. I don't think that will happen. I think that we if heard he, it happen. I know, but I don't think that it'll go any further than that with that guy. You don't. Th you don't think he'll go online, and he'll read no, some because, critics' responses. Because if to the you movie. if you read if you look online about the uh, with the critics' responses, everybody's saying it's garbage. There's only like a few people that are like that was actually genius. Like, okay. it it only made seven million dollars in its opening weekend. Yeah, that I mean, look, the thing is that. The people who watched that movie, mm. he had to have them on board with what he was doing. The studios who were releasing this movie because he was like, "Listen, guys, <laughs> we're gonna try and I we're mean, gonna try a, and do this thing." It was a brave move. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But the, the the thing is that he, it might be a like, guys, we got to save the world, and I think I can I can get him get a message out to people. You know, know maybe. So and if he had. I like, it, I like how the more we talk about this, the more you the, like it. The more you like it. Yeah. The the more you think about about it. Uh, at the beginning of this podcast, the podcast was going to be called Darren F. Aronofsky. What the fuck? What the fuck are you talking doing? Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, now the title is Darren Aronofsky, You're a Genius. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, um, and the thing is, with Jennifer Lawrence saying we may have gone a little too far. <laughs> Once again, it just brings spotlight onto the movie. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. we did that on purpose. We killed a baby and we had people eating the baby because that shock factor is going to get people talking about what the movie is about, which is that we are fucking the planet up. And we need we need to do something. I mean, he didn't actually say we need to do something. He said we no, fucked. No, because, because basically what happened was... And you get that when she went into the house, that was oil, right? Right. So, so she sets the world on fire. Yeah. Well, the, the, she scorches the earth. The, the earth, the earth is it's fucked. It's done. And then, and everybody dies inside the fire. And then the creator takes the earth. And starts again. Rips her heart out. Yeah. And the heart becomes the apple again and starts all over. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I mean, with that that mythology and that understanding of the relationship between God and Mother Earth, I disagree with. Mm -hmm. I feel like Mother Earth will stay and God will be the one that would need to be reborn. Hmm. I think Mother Earth would survive. Well, Never, I mean, like not, we can do, not in that mythology. Whatever we did, yeah. let me tell you, we can do anything we want. Sure. At the end of the day, Mother Earth 
will continue. I mean, unless sure. we, unless we blow is, the planet he, up. He is telling the Christian mythos. Yes. So in the Christian mythos. That's who he's talking to. That's his audience is the Christian people. Right. Because so in the Christian mythos. Yeah. God is the creator of the universe. Yeah. And of yes. Earth and blah, everything. Blah, blah, bleep, bloop. All the bleep, bloop, bleeps. There you go. But, and, and that's a, that is something that, uh, that I did think about was that it's definitely geared towards a Christian audience because... I mean, not necessarily. Yeah. No, uh, e- even the even the Muslim faith has the exact same beginning. With regards to Cain and Abel? Yeah. And with regards to their prophet being the son of God? Uh, no. But, but everything up until like Abraham is the same. Yes. And then it kind of differs. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was You're right. kind of... The beginning. Yeah. The beginning is the same. Yeah. Same book. Definitely Christian mythos. Yeah. Mythology. For sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, we know that from his, from his Noah... <laughs> I mean... Walking trees, thinking, thinking about Thinking about Noah after seeing this, like I went and I saw Noah... Just as a standalone, not knowing who this guy was, right? And uh, you watch Noah, and there's talking trees and unicorns and whatever. But just at the end of the movie, I'm like, those unicorns and centaurs should have been throughout the entire Noah movie. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Anyways, it should have been Harry Potter Noah. But um, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, so I, but now this was a thought that I had, and I was. See, it just the movie annoyed me because. Because in my opinion, it's harder to do the metaphor and to do the story. Right. And so I was annoyed because I do think of Darren Aronofsky as a bit of a genius. And I was expecting, the, like, I love the metaphor. I think he definitely should have made that movie. But I also thought he should have done the story better. He should yes. have actually included a story. Make it work within its own world. But as I thought about it, I was like... So the question, he would lose a lot of people. The on question that. you really have to really, if you wanted to boil down and ask him one question, it was, did you purposefully not make an entertaining story? Yeah. Did you purposefully just go all metaphor and fuck with people just to, just to like shove their faces in what you were trying to say, make sure that they didn't miss it. But I mean, he wouldn't realistically come on the show or answer you and tell you the truth and say, yeah, I just actually wasn't able to make a compelling story that worked. He would be like, no, I totally did that on purpose. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He, that's mean, what he would say. We can, so. we can, do you know what? I'm going to phone him right now. Okay, cool. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he did, did that's what he said. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So I actually, you know what? I'm coming around on the movie. Um, don't watch it if you're looking for entertainment. You're gonna go see it again? No. No. Um, <laughs> no. I no. Do you know what? I actually would watch it again. Now with the with the with a renewed understanding of kind of where it's coming from, because mm-hmm. you would you would definitely pick up stuff that you that you didn't pick up before. Now, if we spent 45 minutes prepping Heather and Anne, would they enjoy it? No. Or no? <laughs> no, they would. It was never, never. <laughs> it would never happen. Fair enough. Zero enjoyment. Okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, the Stratford short film festival that uh, that Paul sent us an email about. Yeah. What about that? I don't know. Do you want to do it? Did you look into it? No. October the 6th. 
yeah. you have to say that you're gonna do it October mm-hmm. the, it's a, it's a very it's a very 24 hour film festival it's a 28.5 hour or 48.5 okay. hours it's a, a, they give you a a theme and a line and you go off and make your movie and it's uh, I don't know they're cool. gonna screen them and uh, it's a Stratford thing so we'll have to think about it a little bit but uh, I mean I know we're it's gonna be on the heels of us finishing another short film so um, yeah I mean, we'll if we have a, if we have a moment, if we have a breath, yeah. it might be fun. Yeah. So we'll see. So okay. um, just a very sm- looks like a small town um, thing, which could be fun. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, just next? touching on son of a bitch. Whew. I we've. I, I, <laughs> Are I you feel, a beatbox? Are you no, Michael Jackson? I think that. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, we've we've stopped this show so many times. I don't know if we can really get into Son of a Bitch tonight. Okay. What else did we want to talk about? That was it. Was it? Yep. Mother. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The, uh, I wanted to recap the the story I was telling you about about mm-hmm. the Dalai Lama. You want to hear this mm-hmm. again for our for our fans? Sure. Um, fan. For our fan. Thanks, mom. Hi, mom. Um. Dad. Sure. Yeah. Ken also, is listening. Also, he, sorry, we have two fans. Yeah. Um, the Dalai Lama is a is a real dude. He's a human being. Yes, he is. He is like he the, exists in this world. He's like the religious leader, let's say, mm-hmm. or religious spokesperson of the Tibetan Buddhists. And for quite a long time, he was also a political leader. Um. But at one point, he got um, kicked out of Tibet, essentially. The Chinese government said they were going to kill him. And so he went into exile and hiding. Um, so the Dalai Lama is interesting in that he reincarnates when he dies and becomes a new Dalai Lama somewhere in the world, usually in Tibet. Um, and Ironically. Uh, very ironically. So in his lifetime... I'm going to come back anywhere in the world, but I'll be in Tibet. Because Tibet's amazing. So he um, he always, during his lifetime, he picks a particular second human. And I can't remember the type of name that this guy has, but he is yeah. essentially the... He picks the person who, when he reincarnates, will know who he is. It's very convenient. Yeah. Okay? So the way it works, the Dalai Lama reincarnates, the other guy, the Proctor Lama, or whatever his name is, he uh, becomes the Dalai Lama kind of in in uh, role until he finds who the Dalai Lama reincarnates as, the, the baby or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that baby becomes the six-year-old Dalai Lama or whatever, and then grows up to be the next religious leader of Tibetan Buddhism or whatever. So the current Dalai Lama, you've probably seen him a billion times. He meets with all the... Re- you know, leaders of the free world. And yeah. I think he's met like four of the last presidents and met with Justin Trudeau and he meets with everybody. And, um, he did pick his finder of the new Dalai Lama. When he um, dies. When, when he dies. And he picked this kid when the kid was six years old. Okay. Then what happened after he picked this kid was the Chinese government kidnapped this child and this child's family this is a true story. So this child and his family are living somewhere in China, kind of under captivity, and the Chinese government 
doesn't deny it. They're like, he's living. They won't let anybody see him, but they're like, he's safe and happy and living his life. And so there's a lot of controversy going on right now uh, around the fact that when the Dalai Lama, the current one, dies, they think that the Chinese government will use this person to choose the next Dalai Lama and then have influence over Tibet and, you know, maybe bring them back under the Chinese conglomerate or whatever rule, Chinese rule. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a lot, of, a, a lot of discussion around that right now. Anyways, I just thought that it'd be cool to dig into this as a semi-real thing because I don't think a lot of people know really how, how this works and the kind of story behind it. And I thought it would be fun to have the Dalai Lama reincarnate as like, a little black girl in Detroit. Yeah. And then and then how that would play out. It'd be really interesting. You know. Would so, you pop a cap? I mean, one hundred percent. So but the Chinese government would would play their role and try to pick a new Dalai Lama and then of course it would be Jaden Pinkett Smith's daughter <laughs> by the time we make this movie. And um you know, Will Smith's granddaughter uh, yeah. would be the new Dalai Lama. I like it. Anyways, I don't know. Just thought. That's a crazy story, man. Yeah. Anyways, the world is, uh, you know, an, About interesting, to go to an interesting place for, uh, I mean, probably. Yeah. But uh, let's not talk about going to war. It's too... It's too depressing. It's way too depressing. Um, all right. So uh, that's it for the show, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk about Son of a Pitch next time. Yeah. Do you know what we're what do, you, do? What do you want to do with Son of a Pitch? So time? essentially, so the next plan of action is I'm going to have the cue cards with us. So we're going to run through the information. Everything that we have so far. Uh, yeah, so in order to do that, I would need to go back through all the podcasts. Is that right? Yeah, you should. No. <laughs> you don't... Wait a minute. You don't want to listen to 45 hours? No, I, I, I mean, was, you only I was, have to start at episode three. So, I mean, you could probably shave a couple hours off. Yeah, so I was thinking... Uh, so I was thinking that what we might do is we might just... Uh, Beat it out, do the character thing again, um, the stuff that we remember. Yeah. And um, then we, we can, remember all of it, don't worry. Yeah. And we can pin it up on the board and then we can, so that we have it somewhere. Mm. So we can actually, as we go, we can actually physically build the story. Yeah, not a bad idea. We can uh, probably take the, uh, do a little video of the board and show how, the, how we do that structure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it, it's and very helpful. And it's not uh, not completely ours. It's um, taken no, from. It's ours. it's ours. It's it's sort of adapted from Blake Snyder Save the Cat. It doesn't have all his steps, because he, all of his steps get a little prescriptive. But Here's it's the thing. Got a good... Blake Snyder's dead, so this this method is ours now. Yeah, we stole it. Save the the Jason and Adrian. Oh, gross! All right, everyone, we're gonna shut this show down for tonight. Uh, you know, we'll continue to dream big and work hard <laughs> every day. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fable Forest Films podcast. First frames first. Yes. First frames first. Thank you, Jason. Welcome. If you enjoyed, head over to our website, www.thefableforest.com. Check out our films and sign up for our newsletter where we will send you exclusive content. Hit us up on our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, always at The Fable Forest. And share our show with your friends. It'll really help us out a lot. Dream big. Work hard. <laughs>